This is the Farmington Feed, bringing you information from the city of Farmington. Welcome back to another episode of Farmington Feed. We decided to interview four of our new staff members so that residents could get to know them a little bit better. As we were interviewing them, we realized the interviews were going a little bit long. And so we have Ed Rutledge, natural resources specialist, with his own episode first. So check it out. Welcome to Farmington Ed. Ed is the new natural resources specialist and started in early September. Something unique about this position is that it hasn't been filled for over two years now. I'm sure that you're in the process of gathering information on the city, but what are your first big projects that you are tackling? Yeah, nice to uh, meet everybody in the community here in Farmington. Some of my big projects that I've got on the horizon here and that I'm working on now is uh, tree maintenance, catching up on tree trimming, pruning, and removals. And then uh, the biggest item on the list here is emerald ash borer management. So I'm really excited to take this opportunity to talk a little bit about it. Yeah. So So what is emerald ash borer? So yeah, it's a pest and it was first discovered in St. Paul in May of 2009. And it's confirmed in uh, 36 counties in the state right now. And Farmington is in the quarantine area. Uh, And it's a pest that it's from Asia it's in its flight period at the at the very end of its flight period right now, but it'll come and get into uh, come on to your ash tree and it'll uh, lay eggs. And the larvae are actually what kills the tree because they'll lay and create channels underneath the bark, and that cuts off nutrient flow to okay. go up the tree. So as a homeowner, you might start seeing these things called epicormic shoots, where it's like making branches closer to the bottom or the base of the tree. Mm -hmm. And that's just because the tree's reacting to the cutting off of that nutrient flow to the top of the canopy. Okay. And you'll start to see your canopy thin. And usually when somebody sees their ash tree dying, it's usually too late. I did want to plug here on the podcast here, that we do partner with Rainbow Tree Care. And you can go to our website and find out more information on setting up a consultation to meet with somebody from their staff to take advantage of treatment if you have a private tree to be treated. And they can walk you through the process and they can get you pricing and things like that. We're out of the treatment period right now, so it would have to be for next year. But something to think about this winter. Other options are removing your tree, if you have it on your private property and starting to think about planting a new species of tree, I really encourage homeowners to do some research and I hope to put some more information on the website here soon of uh, the variety of tree species that are out there. Other than maples, I feel like uh, people love maples, but they also, behind ash, represent the second largest amount of trees in our urban canopy behind ash. And ash in our boulevards, for example, represent 44%. So that's like almost half our trees that are going to end up succumbing to the pest. So will they all eventually, you think, get EAB? Yeah, it's it's like a 100% mortality rate there. Wow. So we treat currently 28% roughly of okay. our ash trees in the boulevard and in the parks. 
the trees that are not being treated will eventually succumb to the pest. So the ones that are not being treated are 100% mortality rate. Yep, at some point. And we're going to see, you start to see more of the mortality and it's more noticeable in years 5 to 10. And the first infestation was recorded in Dakota County in 2014. And our neighbors to the west in Lakeville had their first detected tree in 2017. And for Farmington, it was in 2019. So more than likely, it was probably already here, like yeah. maybe 2018. And just didn't really show signs until the next year. Yeah. And then, so if you do that, you know, kind of math there, five years plus 2018, 2023, mm-hmm. kind of puts us in this time where I feel like people are seeing more of their ash trees die and questions are coming up. So in my role, I'm really trying to get the message out that if you want to save your private ash tree, now's the time to to treat it. There's no, there's been research has shown that there's ash trees that we have here in America don't have any kind of resistance to the pest. We have a couple other common forest diseases are Dutch elm disease and oak wilt, and they are making like some Dutch elm resistant elm species oh wow yeah that's interesting yeah it's pretty neat um and there's some yeah cool variety that's why i tell homeowners and residents to do some research and there's a lot of different options out there for different trees that you can put on your private property in replacement but yeah like i was saying you know in the next few years we're going to be seeing a lot more ash come down my hope is to get caught up on the ones that are actively dying and infested and then hopefully get to the point where we can structurally remove some of these trees to get ahead of the the pest but but that's kind of a long-term goal you said 28 percent of our ash trees are being treated why only 28 percent i'm basing it off of my predecessor's original eab management plan so in 2016 and 2017 they did an inventory of our ash trees and far as practice goes that's really what you want to do first attacking management of this pest is to see what you have for for ash trees and it's decided everything that is above 15 inches in dbh and dbh stands for diameter at breast height so it's four and a half feet off the ground and however far across that is so 15 inches or bigger. So the more mature trees are being saved. Yep. So the more mature trees. And then also what my predecessor did was rate the the ash trees in their condition. Okay. So we're not treating any trees that are bigger than that that are of poor condition. They have to be of fair or good condition to be treated. And so that ended up being... These are rough numbers, but about, you know, 900, 1,000 trees that we're treating. And we have 3,300 ash trees in our boulevards alone. In the parks, I believe it's it's, uh, over 100. That leaves a lot out there. And what I'm kind of in the process of doing is trying to see if we can potentially treat some more or move forward with the structural removal of some of these trees because I'm still pretty new to the position just trying to get more of a better idea where we're at i would like to update that survey and inventory that we originally did and kind of get some more accurate to date numbers of like how many more how some ash trees have been removed and then we're going to be removing some this winter so get that updated 
if a resident wants to treat their private tree, mm-hmm. from my understanding, that resident would get the discount that the city's getting to treat our trees. Is that right? Yeah, precisely. So you would get bulk pricing and it would be reduced through Rainbow Tree Care. Awesome. So that information's on the website. There is, if you go to our YouTube channel, you can see a video and goes through the process of getting your tree treated. So yeah, reach out if you would like to set up an appointment with them. As I did mention, we are kind of out of that treatment window because uh, the tree has to be actively growing to take up, uptake the chemical. Sure. Mm-hmm. So next year you can set that up. Yep. Mm-hmm. And see how it does over the winter. And uh, they may make the decision that your tree is either in too poor of a condition or it's not suitable for treatment, but they'll go through all that and let you know. What would you say is your favorite tree to plant? Like if someone came to you and said, I'm looking to plant a tree, what is your number one recommendation? Do you have Boy, one? that's that's a tricky question because <laughs> I feel like my favorite tree maybe in 20 years would get eaten by some different bug, yeah. you know, or pathogen. <laughs> it's would inevitable, be infested. I think. Right, exactly. Yeah. So what I promote is planning for diversity. So, you know, you want to plant a wide variety of families of different families of trees, different genuses, and then different species within different genuses. But I just recently planted a Eastern redbud in my front yard and it it flowers. I haven't seen a flower yet, but apparently it's supposed to flower before crab crab apple do. So they have these little pink flowers. It's really pretty and it's kind of smaller. So it's kind of, it doesn't get uh, massively big and tall like a, like a silver maple or yeah. something like that. So if you have a small area in your yard and you're not trying to have a very large overhanging tree that could maybe grow into your fence or something, mm-hmm. yeah. this is a fun landscape tree that, that I put in front of my house recently. So I'll have to look that one up. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. And then uh, there's a lot of good options out there. I want to, like I said, update that website and get... Yep plug some of the University of Minnesota Extensions website. They have great resources to finding a good tree that would fit well in your landscape. And you can consider things like your soil, how much space you have, and make a good decision from there. You are very knowledgeable on all of this. Thank you. (laughs) So what is your background? Where did you come from before landing this job in Farmington? I'm originally from Dallas, Texas, but okay. then I went to school in uh, Western Colorado, cool. and I got a degree in environmental studies, and from there, worked with the Forest Service for a few years uh, in forest uh, as a forestry technician and timber management, and then I worked at a tree federal tree nursery. There's only, I believe, nine wow. in the U.S., so one, and it grows stock for the Western region, okay. I think. That incorporates a couple different regions, I believe. But And then uh, we moved to the Twin Cities, me and my wife, and uh, I worked briefly for a contractor that does prairie management and woodland management. And from there, I worked these past five years at Anoka County as a natural resource technician. Awesome. Yeah, so that was great opportunity there. Yeah. Yeah, we did a wide variety of things, prairie management, native landscaping, and then a big portion of my job was helping manage oak wilt. They have a big, we have a lot of red oaks in Anoka County, along with Emerald Ash Borer, one of my key roles in helping manage and deal with while I was there for the past five years. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. So you've kind of been all over the U.S. a little bit. 
how does it change like through by state by state like are the trees different is there other like different diseases oh yeah things are definitely different you know when you get into different elevations for example you know you're just dealing with different diseases like lodgepole pine i believe a fungus it gets on the lodgepole pine oh and then it makes these like witches brooms and at the place where we were like managing that's like at 12,000 feet so it's like a mono crop of lodgepole pine so that's like the only tree species or like the dominant one mm-hmm. and then there's engelman spruce and then it was cool in colorado you would come down the canyon and then you start to see more blue spruce and that doesn't that grows at you know a lower a spe- elevation, a lower elevation. Yeah. so you start to see the the species change so yeah definitely different tree species but then you go to the front range and you know i have a good friend from the forest service who lives in fort collins and he has an he has a hackberry in his backyard yeah different climates different land organization and structure a lot of public land out in the west obviously and then as you come to minnesota there's a lot more privately owned land even though there's still there's there's a lot of public land this is sure. what i'm getting out here still but yeah, it's all different. So this country is really cool. A lot yeah. of different uh, interesting natural resources throughout the whole, from east to west. Right, so. yeah, and I'm sure you're learning all about it too. As yeah. You know. yeah, like when I moved here, it was a uh, crash course in all the Midwest and upper Midwest uh, plants and different tree species. So since I've been here, I've been here since 2016 and it's still, I'm still learning every day. I bet. So, you know, Very I think cool. I will be in the ground before I know you know enough everything yeah for i won't ever learn everything so i don't know that's that's the thing yeah. you you uh realize there's so much out there so do you have anything to add on my first day uh, i got a call we have this invasive species called golden creeper gourd oh i've never or heard of that or red hailstone as it's called but we uh it's a uh, it's going to be on the eradicate list next year for okay. The Department of Transportation does a calendar of different invasives, and it's going to add this to the list. Really? And we had our first confirmed infestation here in Farmington in Dakota County. So on my wow. first day, so we're uh, going to be spraying that. How does that happen? Like, where does it come from? Typically from, like, maybe somebody picked it up for their landscape and may have dumped it. Sometimes these can come in on, like, and fill dirt and stuff like that. But yeah, this probably came in. Somebody thought it was a pretty plant. Had it in their pot inside their house or in their landscape. And then maybe moved away or discarded of their, their plant material. And they put it in the backyard and then it started growing out of control. So I think it was first recorded in the state in 2013. I think it was still water. It's going to be added to the eradicate list next year. And we have it in our city and we're managing for it now. Great. Yeah. Is it just... A plant that grows, or is it like a tree? So it's uh, it's a plant, and it's it grows with these like tubers. So if you think of like a sweet potato plant mm-hmm. in your landscape, it it has these tubers that will spread, and the plant can grow twelve feet in the summer just from that one tuber. I wow. believe. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So it, it spreads pretty pretty, pretty rapidly. So yeah, we're getting a getting a jump on that and getting that sprayed. So yeah. Wow. You have a lot on your hands here. I'm sure Farmington will keep you busy. Absolutely. We're happy to have you and welcome to the city. Yeah, thanks. Happy to be here.
That concludes this episode of Farmington Feed. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.